0: I'd like to welcome Nikki Robertson to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Nikki, I know that you've got a wealth of background in the school library world. So tell us a little bit, uh, give us a rundown of that.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, This is my 28th year in working in the education field. But uh, I first started teaching in 1992, um, fifth and sixth grade. And then about five years into that, I got my master's in library media and got a job uh, working in an elementary library in 1997. I worked there for about eight years, then moved up to the high school level for the rest of the time um, until I moved to Texas (laughs) about three or four years ago and went back to elementary. And after having been in high school for such a long time, I had forgotten (laughs) about how Different elementary school
0: can be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think my first job ever teaching was kindergarten. And I still remember I was like in my head making like my Santa wish list for myself. And things like, can tie their shoe,
1: you know, <laughs> blow their nose. You know? <laughs> yeah, I called my um, district library supervisor, Becky Calzada. And I was like, the kindergartners are trying to kill me. <laughs> Help me.
0: Oh, and so, uh, Nikki, I know you're doing something a little bit different now. So, tell our audience what you what's your job at the moment.
1: I am. It's it's really exciting. Of course, I miss being around the teachers and the kids, and being able to you know learn something new on Facebook or Twitter or somewhere else, and rush into the library and go, "Hey, let's try this. It's, you yeah. know, let's see how it works." I don't have my guinea pigs anymore. <laughs> But I'm working for um, the Education Service Center in Region 13, which serves the uh, Austin area schools. Um, provides their professional development, learning, and so forth. And I'm the um, distance and digital learning coordinator there. So when COVID happened, our team all of a sudden was very important. <laughs> we were kind of in a in the background before um, people kind of knew us, but didn't really know what we did. And then the big switch where you're Zoom people and you're distance and digital learning. And, and that's what everyone needed. So it's been a fun ride okay. to uh, say the least uh, during COVID.
0: But you were wanted and appreciated and needed. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a good,
1: you were ready. You were ready. So. We were ready. We were ready. It, it was really, a lot of it was just soothing, nerves. Mm-hmm. and helping people feel comfortable in a new virtual environment, which we felt comfortable with, but we knew it was a shock for a lot of others.
0: Right, exactly right. All right, so Nikki, I also know that you are going to graduate school. So would you tell us a little bit about that and what, what yeah. you're doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm getting my PhD in, with the emphasis in um, integrating technology and learning. Okay. So basically the psychology behind connecting those things, which I thought, we're librarians. Isn't that what we've always been doing, no matter what that technology was? Um, Film strips, record players, uh, listening stations, overhead projectors, Mm smart boards. And the technology didn't change just because it's not on a cart being rolled down to a classroom. Now that it's an app or a website, we're still the people who vet and curate those resources as we always have for all of the other resources provided through the library. So um, yeah, it's going to be that. It's quite a chore. I'm hoping to be done with everything and uh, have my name of doctor by mid-23. So exciting. exciting. I I
0: often hear from people who say, how do you how do you know that you're ready, you know, to do that? Like, what, how did, what was your thinking as you were kind of thinking about the idea of going back to school again? Uh,
1: I wasn't thinking very clearly. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I have a bit more time now um, because the job is different and has a different demand on my time. Mm -hmm. And so I thought if I'm going to do it, it's now or never. And then also my wife is getting her doctorate in the same exact
0: um,
1: field. So it's very nice because we're both frantically writing. We're both in the same courses together. So I'll be like, did you get the answer for DQ? (laughs) What were you thinking? And so we can bounce ideas off of each other a lot. So unlike probably the experience of a lot of people getting their um, doctorate where they're kind of alone and family doesn't really understand how intense all the work is, we we know we we're right there together so cohort yeah yeah when
0: my husband actually started his it's been many years ago but anyway uh, they actually had a family meeting at the beginning you know to invite all the family members in to tell them this is what you need to expect and they need to know you know you're going to be understanding and supportive (laughs) it's like
1: okay (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's a lot um (laughs) if you're gonna do it just know You're not going to have your vacations like you have it. You're not going to have your weekends. You're not going to have your nights. Um, Because we went on a cruise for a 50th wedding anniversary. And we had to get the internet package. And we were working whenever we weren't on shore somewhere, we were working. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think another thing that's interesting, you know, a lot of people who haven't really explored doctorates yet, just assume they have to get a doctorate in school library, you know, or, or library science. But I don't think they realize how broad the field is. So, say one more time what it is that you're getting, what is your doctorate going to be in?
1: Right. So, the emphasis is integrating technology and learning. So, a PhD is the psychology behind that. And we do that anyway, so when we're connecting our teachers in the classroom with getting them to connect technology to the curriculum and using that. So, I mean, it felt like a natural fit that went right along with what we do as librarians.
0: Yes, for sure. So those of you who are thinking about going to school, don't look broader, you know, look beyond just something that might mention the word school library and, and just think about the different areas that, that you love and are passionate about, because you're going to have to have that passion. To <laughs> <laughs> see through, you know the programs so.
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, so a lot of my listeners um, are early career librarians, and sometimes they're just like overwhelmed. They don't, you know, they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel yet. But what what do you remember about your earliest years in the library? Tell us
1: about that. Well, uh, being completely shocked at how a, at how little I actually knew about how a library ran. Mm-hmm. I was still in library school. I was still getting my master's when I was put into a library. And I thought, oh, I found this book. It'll be nice to have this little story time. But I was seeing kindergarten through sixth graders and reading a book, one book that I had planned for all those didn't go over very well. So um, (laughs) really, until you've been in there and you're in the deep end, it's very hard to know exactly what you're getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, The other big shock to me was you're really no longer a part of that teacher peer group Mm -hmm. and you're not part of the admin peer group. You're not really part of the extracurricular like PE art, music either. So you're kind of this island Mm -hmm. all by yourself with really nobody that you can bounce ideas off of really w- within your school nobody knows what you're doing
0: <laughs> yeah that's true they can't understand um they can't relate to it but so
1: when,
0: when you're looking back then is there any kind of advice that you would love somebody to have told you about oh, man
1: um i wish that i had known better how to get how to make those teacher connections mm. between the library and the classroom because mm. it's one thing to say okay you need to collaborate and then you know i've seen through the years collaboration forms and you want teachers to fill this out and blah blah it it just doesn't work that way and what i wish i'd known is it's all about relationship building yeah not about the curriculum or trying to get them to work with the library, it's just start out first, build those relationships, don't worry about trying to connect to the curriculum, don't worry about collaboration, just work really hard on building that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then from there you can start to build on it. Yeah, very yeah.
0: I would totally second that for you. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So, you've seen um school libraries and Uh, was it Georgia or
1: Alabama where where were you at the beginning um Alabama I was in Alabama the whole time I was living in Georgia but then driving across the river into Alabama every
0: day so you've seen librarians in Alabama you've seen them in Texas you know you've seen elementary you've seen high school Um, how would you kind of describe the influence or the impact that school librarians have on a campus
1: Oh, well, they can have a very positive impact or a negative impact. And that's all um, the atmosphere that you set up in the library through your personality and how you interact with other people. Um, so let me see, um, you have to be willing to put aside the things that you want to do. Sure. To take into consideration and honor the voice and choice of your teachers and students. And oh, that's so hard to do. <laughs> Cause you're like, oh, I wanna do this and this is so cool. And I've got, you know, augmented reality and virtual reality and we've got robots, but your teachers are, we need to learn how to use Google Classroom. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's so like 20 years ago. <laughs> but you have to be willing to meet them where they are provide them with what they need, and um, Doug Johnson has a quote that I absolutely love that I think uh, addresses this head on, and he says, as librarians, we can offer the very best hammer in the world, but if your principal, your teachers, or your parents really need and want a wrench, a screwdriver, a hacksaw, having a hammer, no matter how wonderful, is simply immaterial. They get it that you have a great hammer. Yeah. It just isn't relevant or important to them, even if you think it darn well should be.
0: <laughs> That's a great analogy. That really is. Right. He's awesome.
1: I love Doug Johnson. I call him the godfather of all librarians. And <laughs> then, of course, Joyce Valenza is the godmother of all librarians. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, two awesome people. So, new people. Um, if you'll look those names up online and we'll put show them, put some links in the show notes too for you so that you can find out a little bit more about them. But they're great leaders that you need to know about and um, be able to learn from for sure. All right. Okay. So Nikki, I know that um, you, you're really into social media. Uh, that that's something that's a big part of, of your personal life, you know, as well as what you're doing professionally. Um, but let's talk a little bit more about that, the value of that as a, like a, method of professional development?
1: Yes, most definitely. Um, My dissertation topic (laughs) is right there, the power of social media as a delivery method for actionable professional development. So what I'm wanting to investigate is the perception of school librarians as to um, if they view their interactions through uh, social media channels that are specific to school libraries. as something that can be an actionable professional development that they learn from their social media groups. I want to know their perception Perception. of social media as a delivery method for actionable professional development. So do they perceive that their time spent on library specific social media platforms or like Facebook groups or in a Twitter uh, chat or anything like that? Is it something that they consider to be a valuable professional development tool that they actually take what they've learned from it and apply it into their libraries and in their schools. so I want to see that perception.
0: Yeah that's really interesting yeah. and maybe years from now <laughs> You, you could ask the principals, you know, if, if they view that as an acceptable form, you know, of professional development, because we, I hear so many different things from different schools of, you know, oh, yes, of course, we, we keep logs of everything we're doing. And then others are like, no way. you
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. And, but the studies over the years, the empirical studies, show that, yes, it's a valuable professional development tool, but there's that big divide between um, what admin or what even the state requirements allow you to count as professional development hours and what, you know, research has shown <laughs> yeah. to, to bridge that gap. I was lucky to work in a school in Alabama where the two assistant principals actually ran the um, Twitter chat sessions. Yeah for the state of Alabama, okay. and so wow. they got it, yeah. and we got um, professional development credit for um, participating in Twitter chat. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: so, and then I'll see where some librarians are, like, introducing their superintendent, like, they'll, you know, the online and Twitter, or something they'll say, welcome, you know, Dr. So-and-so um, to the Twitter world, and um, it's interesting to see them trying to pull in their leaders. I think they want them to see, you know, that, that there is a lot of value and good things can come of that. So,
1: yeah, so I think it's that exposure, like you're saying, mm-hmm. so reaching out and pulling them in and once they're exposed to it, then I think they really start to get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in your reading so far, are they, is it, does it kind of favor one social media platform over another?
1: A lot of the research um, has been done with Twitter chat because that's what was really big, kind of started with um, Ed chat in 2010 and has worked up from there. So my original dissertation uh, problem statement had it not being social media, but being Twitter chat, school library, Twitter chat. And then COVID hit and I was at my residency and Becky had, um, Becky Calzada, who, um, helped moderate the Texas school librarians, uh, Twitter chat. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how I found out that something about, you know, we're discontinuing this. Um, and I was like, <laughs> I'm right now working on my dissertation and my 10 strategic points. And I'm saying, we're going to be using that Twitter chat and it's not there. anymore." Mm-hmm. So yeah, I scrambled a little and, uh, broadened it to social media because that could change at any time Very true. Um, yeah <laughs> I have two things that are kind of kind of gnaw at me a little um the first one not really gnawing at me but kind of maybe some advice I see a lot of school librarians who are really good about using their social media they become great connected educators they're learning and bringing back to their schools um, what they've learned on social media. But when they post about what they're doing as school librarians within their school, it's, it's book reviews mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and I see very little of what you're actually doing with students and with teachers. So i um, When I posted and I could say I do it all right, but when I posted, I posted the activities and the things students were learning when they were in the library. Mm -hmm. Um, Shannon Miller, when you look at what she posts, she isn't posting pictures of just book reviews, but she, you know, she posts things like choice boards and other things like that, which is great. But she also shows students actively involved in the learning. Um, And so a lot of it's Mm -hmm. student-centered. I'd like to see more of that because, I mean, I love the book reviews. It's a great way to learn from each other because we don't have time to read all those books ourselves. It's been very helpful to me. But what's going to matter to your admin, to your teachers, to your parents? to your school board members and community members that might donate to your library is going to be the story that you're telling through social media about students. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. And I mean, it even leads into advocacy, you know, and and even just awareness when people aren't really sure what you're doing because they think you just read all day, you know, or tell stories all day. And they don't really realize the the rich learning, um, I kind of see librarians as energizing the learning, you know, because learning's going on, but what we can we can be a catalyst, you know, and cause so much extra, you know, to happen. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. So share that out. Um have you interviewed Amanda Jones? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know Amanda Jones, but um how she was able to get money from just putting out there what was happening in their library and people wanted to donate. And the same thing happened with me here in Texas, because I was putting it out on social media and our parents were following that, uh, our Facebook Mm -hmm. page for the library. They would come in and say like, Hey, can I give you $500 or can I bring you a robot or whatever? Because they saw what their kids were doing and they wanted their kids to be able to do more of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely 100% advocacy when you're sharing out that information beyond beyond choice boards beyond book reviews and things like that but when you're actually showing what kids are doing yeah. and learning
0: yeah. yeah And I actually attended the presentation that AASL um, that Amanda did so it's been a couple of years now but she it was about social media but she even has um, and I, I'd have to, I'll have to go back and find the slides but she even has the point of where, Um, she she rotates through so she's not doing the same thing every day you know like one day might be a book review you know or something but she's Mm -hmm. definitely not going to do that the next day you know or the following day there's kind of a series of things so she's making sure that she's really getting giving a broad picture you know of the kind of impact um, that she's having
1: so yeah that's a really wise thing that she did there yeah for sure
0: yeah and somebody else I can't remember where this was I think it was a conference that I was at they had students that were going around with iPads and just taking pictures, you know, of the things. And then that was what the, the librarian was in taking and turning into social media posts, you know, things that were appealing to the kids. You know, it was also showcasing, you know, what the other students were doing and stuff It was it was good. Yeah.
1: Very good. And, and that brings up to mind a lot of the questions I get are, how in the world do you have enough time to post all that stuff to social media and I'm like it's not me it's not just me um, I worked in centers when mm-hmm. I worked in the elementary school so I had centers set up and one of the centers was library helper center the kids were the ones who helped with checking books in and out the kids who were in that center helped with searching for books they were me mm-hmm. <laughs> during yeah. that time I- yeah which also meant that they were going to be the recorders of what happened, what the other kids were learning in the other centers. So they would, um, I'd give them my phone, have it up on Snapchat, they'd take pictures. This was my time to teach a small group, three Mm -hmm. or four students about digital citizenship. Mm -hmm. If we're gonna take a picture, what do we need to do first, ask permission. If they don't want their picture taken, how can you still take a picture of the activity? while honoring that they don't want to have their picture taken. And then when you do take the picture, what are you going to type in about what's happening there? And um, letting them think about that. And then they just save that picture on my phone, not post it to Snapchat. And then I'd have that picture on my phone to then push out to all the different social media sites. So you don't have to do it all yourself. That's what children are for. (laughs) And that's Child
0: labor, I'm telling yeah. you. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so for the new librarians who, who haven't really started checking out um, social media yet um, at, at a professional level, because they might use it personally, but we really need to make sure they realize they need a professional you know, account for, for this work. Um, could you give them kind of a rundown of maybe... Uh, the, some of the top platforms you see being used and are there certain platforms that are used for certain things more often, if that makes sense.
1: And, you know, I really think it's where you feel comfortable, the environment, the social media environment where you feel comfortable and then finding your people there. Okay. Um, I do know that on Twitter, AASL has started a Twitter chat. I'm thinking it's the fourth money. Day or Sunday, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> of the month, but I'm not positive, we'll have to look that up and, and then get that, but it's AASL Promotes, and it's just a 30-minute quick Twitter chat, chat to um, discuss relevant topics, so if you're kind of wanting to see what a Twitter chat looks like, jump onto that, uh, you can just watch it to begin with or jump into the conversation um facebook of course future ready librarians um Lib, um i like um christina Holwood's mm-hmm. site the hacking school libraries is really neat um it's just finding your people right finding where your people are so looking for those groups and the the big thing that's important is not who to follow and getting those big names, yeah, that's nice to connect and have those names to learn from, but it's who's contributing information that connects with you, right? who's contributing to the conversation, and then connecting with those people. It's not just about the, you know, the names that are very well known, but it's about the connections that you're making on, on social media.
0: And and I do have a series of articles I'll throw in on these show notes. It talks about how to search each of those platforms, because that's how you can find the ones. Like if you're into makerspace, you can literally search it. Like you could search Google, you know, there's ways to search these platforms and find the people that are talking about what you're talking about, which is, you know, that's talking about the things you're interested in, I should say. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Very good advice. All right. So Nikki, what, what do you do? Like, I know you're in grad school, so you may not have time for this right now, but are there any things that you would recommend to school librarians, um, maybe outside of social media uh, or maybe social media is really the main thing right now, like just to keep learning and growing professionally?
1: Yes, (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I'm thinking, so And this is learning and growing in kind of a roundabout way. This is um, um, choosing not to let fear dictate what you do in the library. So I was guilty of this where I I stood back and I waited for professional learning or for opportunities to connect to come to me from my district or my school to, to deliver those to me. So seek out your own professional learning, mm-hmm. but then beyond that, that I think is so important is start connecting your school to a broader range. So, for instance, um, uh, read across America or World Read Aloud Day or poem. You know, the this is Poetry Month, so poem in my pocket. Um, Put them in your pocket. <laughs> and, and so don't do those, those activities, observations in isolation. Connect with other schools. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I know that um, uh, I think Matthew Winter and Shannon Miller always put out, and I think Andy Plymouth too, they put out a, like a Google Doc for World Read Aloud Day. And sign, you know put down what times you can meet, what your time zone is what you want to share, what grade levels. And then you just find people from all around the country and around the world that are like, hey, yeah, I'd like to join in a poetry share with your school, with your kindergartners or with your fifth graders or your 12th graders, um, your eighth graders, and connect your school nationally and globally. Break down those walls of your school, your district, your state, Mm-hmm. and let learning come in from all around. Um, it's scary, yeah, to reach out and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this technology that fails on us You know, nine <laughs> times out of 10. Uh, I'm going to be brave and we're going to make these connections and don't wait for something to come around where somebody else has said, here, I've made this dot for you to sign up on. But if you're doing a unit or you're doing um, a study on something, reach out Mm -hmm. and say, hey, is anyone else interested in this? If you have an author that's going to talk to you, find out if it's okay if you invite other people in and share the love and don't hog it all to yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So get yourself connected, but also get your students and your school connected.
0: Very good, good, good ideas there. Well, Nikki, thanks so much for your time today. And for our listeners that want to learn from you and follow you, where can they find you online?
1: i um, everywhere. <laughs> so um, I know you'll put these into the notes. But I'm on Twitter at Nikki D. Robertson. My Facebook's Nikki D. Robertson. My Instagram's Nikki D. Robertson. My blog, um, my blog slash ePortfolio is e Nikki D. Robertson dot com. <laughs> um, uh, the only thing that's different is my TikTok. I think I've only made two TikTok videos. I, I don't know how to do it very well, (laughs) but I have found some great librarians and teachers to follow on there. And I'm learning so much that I've actually started a wakelet, uh, a TikTok uh, tech tips, and other things. And so when I find really good little nuggets, I stick those in there and I'm starting to make blog posts now, where it's my top picks from the week um, that are going to start going into my blog post. So
0: Yeah. Look for Amanda Hunt. I don't know if you have found her yet, but she's she's a Texas librarian. I did interview her. it probably half a year by now, um, but she was kind of taking the lead, getting, getting some Texas TikTok, you know, librarians, and uh, they were really starting to build connections, you know, nationally. But fun, fun group of people to to follow on there. So yeah,
1: cool. Yeah, and you don't have to do that alone. Like you were just saying, Amanda Hunt is doing it with a group of librarians. Huh? Yeah. You don't
0: have to do
1: it alone. Get a group of people to do it with you.
0: For sure. Well, it's been such a lot of fun talking with you, Nikki. And thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye. You
1: too.